Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now live in the Bank Plus studio, where college football meets the all-lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming around the world live at the Out of Bounds radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. Where are you? The Zone. Well, it's been an interesting morning, that's for sure. I didn't know that Ed Ogeron was the uh, best coach to ever coach at LSU, but you learn something new, especially on Mondays, as we recap week six of the college football season. Week five of the NFL. We are the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. Who feels worse today? The Dallas Cowboys or the New England Patriots? Well... Probably the Patriots, because the Cowboys are still going to win a bunch of games, uh, even after that embarrassment of last night. Uh, who feels good today? We are the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. I feel good. I got a really, really good walk-in yesterday. I got outside. I went to the Sanderson Farms Championship. Had a blast. You know, I debated whether I was going to go, Jason, just because I'd been, I'd been gone since Thursday. I'm driving in. It's easy to drive out to my little house that on the lake, of course, and yeah. chill out. And I, some friends had invited me, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. And you know what else I was thinking? I kind of got sentimental. Oh, I thought if this is gonna be the last PGA tournament ever, then I want to go to the final round because starting in 2003. That was my first time to ever go out there and broadcast. Wow. And, and we've interviewed Brad Faxon and, you know, Tom Lehman and, well, Freddie Couple. Well, some of these guys were down on the coast, but just all kinds of different guys. Heck, David Toms. Rush agent couldn't believe that I asked him about his, uh, you know, he kind of lost his fastball. He, he was great, number one in the world, and not David Toms, uh, I can't pull his name. He's on the golf channel. David Duvall. Anyway, we have interviewed some amazing golfers the last 20 years, and I thought, I got to go out there. And I did, and it was beautiful. It's a great day. and But I did watch the final part down at, at the house on the golf channel, but I, I, was, I was so happy for all those guys. I didn't care who won. Yeah. But Luke Liss <laughs> won, Vanderbilt Commodore. So cool. His family was so cute. And um, he was so good to be that young and and poised. And we, we've, got a, we've got a great champion. He's already won once. He's young. Uh, so he won again. And you said he knocked down some cabbage and a uh, million plus. So, dude, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Beautiful day. So I parked at a buddy of mine's house in the country club. And I walked down the course that they weren't playing to the, to the tournament, you know, 
Okay. Yeah. So I was just strolling. There wasn't anybody out there. Wow. In my, my first, you know, it was almost a mile probably. It was nice. Just walking down the little cart path all the way into the into the club, over to the chalet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, this. it doesn't get any better than this. Man, how, so how is it for you watching golf? Does it make you realize how bad you are, or does it kind of give you confidence like, wow, they make it look so easy. Maybe I can shoot like that. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't. Play, I don't play golf. You know, uh, I love it. I, I live for the majors and the Ryder Cup. We've had a lot of fun with all of our partners, Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, Edwin Watts Golf Shop, and many, many others. Um, but no, I uh, I know how hard it is, how difficult. And they play, dude, they play the tees that they play from. You know, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, look, Johnny Country Club can think he's good, and then find out. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I check and see if anyone's looking, and then I go to the the red senior tees, and uh, no yeah, doubt, yeah. I mean, some of those tees feels like they're a hundred yards back, dude. Seriously, I don't, I don't understand how they. Because I walked by a hole and I was like, what the. <laughs> This dude just clobbered the golf ball, right? And he wasn't even happy. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you know, he made a little, I was like, dude, that was a point zero 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 one percent hit. Yeah. And it sounds like a damn rocket ship. Oh, wow. Or like a like an old baseball bat. Like, yeah, and these guys <laughs> yeah. are young, 25 years old. They're at the height. You know, they work out. Um, but I told you when I went to the Masters a few years ago, when Rory hit a ball, and I was sitting right there with my buddy Steven, I had never heard anything like that in my life. That's when I realized, okay, this is a different deal. This is, And look, some of those guys out there this past weekend will win majors. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're very, very talented dudes. A bunch of them 30 and under. But s- some of them will be on our Ryder Cup teams later. They will win. They will win big tournaments. Our tournament's a Wonderful tournament, but they'll win big tournaments. They'll win majors and so on. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, I hope that's not it. But if it is, I had to catch the last round and and enjoy it. It was just an absolutely beautiful day at the Country Club of Jackson for the Sanderson Farms Championship. And so many people did an amazing job showcasing our state. Hospitality. We do it first class. Did it at Annandale first class. Did it at CCJ first class. Um. Let's go to the Ag Up Equipment text line, 601-885-3776. Um, Todd says, Bo, do you think losing 72-3 to the last two weeks, Mac Jones realizes he is Greg McElroy 2.0? <laughs> okay, so Todd is a huge <laughs> New Orleans Saints fan, beyond huge. By the way, we'll have Brad Edwards at 9.30. 25 years at ESPN College Football. Brad Edwards, 9.30, taught Bama A&M and some other things. Uh, Mac Jones is better than Greg McElroy. They're struggling. He's not. I, I listen to Julie. Look, Julian Edelman knows the game. He was pretty damn direct in a podcast last week. And he just said, look. I like Mac Jones, but you can't keep making, you know, those kind of mistakes over and over and over again. Um, 
So we'll see. The Patriots look like they're trending. I mean, Robert Kraft can't fire Bill Belichick, can he? Ooh. Even as frustrated as he is, and I don't blame him, you know, because Bill's Belichick, Belichickian way is a little off right now. But I don't think you can fire a guy who won six Super Bowls. But in the NFL, maybe you can. How long would it take? Like, would it have to be at least three down seasons in a row in order for something that crazy? That same thing with like Saban, like Greg uh, if, Saban's not getting fired because he'll never do that. See, so the NFL is built on parity. College football is right, not. Right, he'll always have players. So a uh, worst case scenario for like I guess worst 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 case scenario for Saban's what eight and four. Yeah, <laughs> that's the absolute floor, which is crazy. Probably more nine and three, but that's the that's the that's the floor. Man, yeah, I I just don't see. Well, Patriots fan, friend fans, they know that Belichick wasn't the engine of the six Super Bowls. Right? I mean, they know that Tom Brady was the majority of the talent. Cause, whoa, because he could. Whoa, I'm not ready to go there. I, I think Bill is brilliant, off the charts. He was a huge part of it. I mean, when you're running an organization with that many people. Um, there's no question that Tom Brady was great. He had to, who put Tom in position to be really, really good on Sundays? That's true. Bill did, but who he came hasn't, up with the game plans. You no, know, he hasn't done anything since. Well, I understand they've struggled post Brady. I just, I'm not sure I'd frame it up that way. Hmm. I just don't know. You just pulled a Jackson Meadows. <laughs> did I? Very extreme. <laughs> I like it. Um, Wow. Mr. DX says, Bill is going to your Cowboys, Bo. No, I won't. I won't. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I want a Mike McDaniel, Shanahan, McVay type dude. No, thank you. Yes, Sean Payton was embarrassed yesterday by the New York Jets and somebody that he had called out. Brad Edwards, 25 years at ESPN at 930 on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. All right, Jason. Let's uh, let's do this thing out of bounds. ESPN one hundred five nine. The zone is driven by your next Nissan Pathfinder, Canon Nissan in Jackson, Nissan Rogue, and let's do this. Hot garbage. All right. Who was more hot garbage? Mario Cristobal and what he did at the end of the game with Miami and Georgia Tech. Uh, The way the Dallas Cowboys played last night on both sides of the ball. Offense and defense. Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Or Mississippi State's defense. Ooh. Hot garbage. That's a heck of a list. I left Andy out just to be nice. They don't count. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and some of the everybody else that I've referenced has been good at some point. Or really good. Um
I think I'm going to go Patriots. Yeah. I, no, uh, I'm going to go Cristobal. You, you got to kneel. Man. You got to kneel. At least, at least Bill's got six titles. Mario Cristobal has the game won. I, think about doing that to all those players and oh. coaches because it's so hard to win. I mean, everybody's already grinding. Kiffin, Arnett, Saban, you know, uh, Dennis Allen, who now is a hero in New Orleans after their win yesterday. Um, Dak, McCarthy, Shanahan, Brock Purdy. Everybody's already on. They're grinding for the next week. Nonstop. You're up there forever and ever and ever, every day. Think about doing that to your players and your coaches. Did you see the the camera cut over to, I think it was an offensive lineman on the He was crying. And he was looking up saying, what are we doing? Right. What and he said it like three times in a row. He was crying, saying, "What are we doing? What are we doing?" So Mario Cristobal wins the hot garbage award. Hot garbage for week six. I mean, it's a hell of a race. <laughs> Cowboys, MSU defense, Belichick, and I think I threw out one more. I decided not to put Vanderbilt in there. I mean, hey, they scored double digits against Florida. Yeah. I mean, good. That's a win for Vandy. (laughs) Vandy chalks up. Whenever they score double digits, that's a W. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they lost to UNLV. They did, and Barry Odom. Yep. (laughs) Former Arkansas Razorback DC, uh, former Missouri head coach. Somebody asked me about some of the coaches I was going over that I think could be hired soon. Um, I'll go over them again. Out of bounds, 105.9, the zone ESPN. Jonathan Smith's going to get a better job. He's at Oregon State. Talking about a tough place to win, man, at Corvallis, Oregon. Oh, my God. Jonathan Smith. Uh, Jeff Trailer, UT San Antonio. He is a dude. Um, GJ Khan at Texas State. He's kind of, uh, he's one of those brash, little cocky, young offensive minds. Keep an eye on him. He's like 34. He is a dude at Texas State. Tom Herman, Florida Atlantic. Did not blank the bed at Texas like a lot of people think. Um, It's taken Sarko a, a, a little while to get up and running. Sark yeah. lost to Oklahoma, let Brent Venables and Jeff Levy and Ted Roof beat him on Saturday. Didn't see that happening. Give Venables credit. We were, we were, uh, let's see. We were very critical of what they did last year. Can they turn it around and actually be a legitimate staff? We'll see. And then I'd go Jamie Chadwell at Liberty. So that's a group right there. I mean, Brom at Louisville, but Brom's only going to a big-time job. Big-time. Like, Ryan Day going to the NFL from Ohio State. Okay, yeah. Sark either not working out or going to the NFL or Saban retiring. That type of... Or Brian Kelly getting... I don't know why that would happen. I think he'll be okay. Just, yeah, he should be. They're ironing out some things. I'm not panicking. I've got people on the Ag Up Equipment text on that tell me Brian Kelly can't coach. He's won at every <laughs> level, including Grand Valley. I mean, he worked his way up over years. Then he 
he wanted a place that's much more difficult to win than people think, and that's Notre Dame. You know, it's cold. It's not that awesome a place to, I mean, it, academically it is, and their alumni base is insane, but it doesn't have what it had in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Even, uh, Kind of got away from them in the 90s. That and they hired Bob Davey, but that's not my fault. So anyway, the point is, um, I think Brian Kelly's going to be fine well, at LSU. You're naming all these like young coaches that are making it's a names good group, for themselves. Man. It is. Where does Bobby Petrino fall into that coaching search? I think when you, you got to have... be careful with Petrino, and here's why. Jason, I, is he an excellent coach? Absolutely. Has he done a good job this year turning that offense around? No question. Yeah, yeah. But Bobby doesn't like to recruit. Mm. And he's got a little bit of Leach in him, except Leach was a nice guy. Okay, yeah. and, and this is what I mean by that. Uh, it It's 60, whatever he is, 62, 63. He is, he is brilliant at the most important position on the field. And he is a phenomenal play caller. Who's he going to put together as far as staffing? I don't know. Yeah. That's... He, nobody likes him. And I know that doesn't matter. I mean, I, you know, um, I, I know it doesn't matter. There's a lot of coaches that have won in this state that are not awesome to hang out with. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think you would rather go Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. Jamie Chadwell at Liberty, Tom Herman at Florida Atlantic, Khan at Texas State, Trailer UT San Antonio. Those that's a group that's I think going to get hired in the next couple of cycles. We haven't had the firings this year that we had last year. Yeah, very true. I mean, yeah. it's not as well. Last year it was Nebraska, was, <laughs> yeah. Auburn, and all these teams were were firing coaches. And we just hadn't had that this year. Brad Edwards is going to join us coming up in the next segment. 25 years at ESPN College Football. We'll talk Bama and A&M and some of the other things that he sees as far as, uh, you know, wh where's the SEC trending? Now, let me give you my SEC power rankings. You ready? Georgia 1. Bama 2. Texas A&M, three. Ole Miss, four. LSU, five. Auburn, six. They play this weekend. Kentucky, seven, but probably not. Mizzou, eight. Florida, nine. It gets this, It's getting really thin, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Tennessee, ten. By the way, guess who goes to Tennessee this weekend? A&M. They play in nine. They don't ever play each other, so it's just one of those years. All right, let me get back. Tennessee, 10. South Carolina, 11. That may have been generous. Arkansas, 12. Mississippi State, 13. And Jason's Vanderbilt Commodores, baby, Whoa. coming in at number 14. Take it easy. Take it easy over there. Yeah. Um... Oh, I, di I disagree with Michael S. on the Ag Up Equipment Tax Line. Auburn at 6, LOL. Auburn would get rung by Tennessee and, Arca uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. They would not. They absolutely would not. 
And if they played 10 times on a neutral field, no, sir. I'm going to Auburn 6-4. to four. I'll bet you. I mean, we'll, we'll never see it. But if you give me Auburn on a neutral field with Tennessee, I'm going Auburn 6-4. Auburn and Kentucky on a neutral field, I'm going Auburn 6-4. They play 10 times. Brad Edwards, ESPN's college football team, coming up on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Talk some Bama and A&M and such. Good morning on a Monday. Very, very feisty Ag Up Equipment text line 601-885-3776. Another weekend in the books. Bama with a big win. Big win uh, over A&M on the road. And Georgia flexed their muscles in a uh, dominating win over the Kentucky Wildcats. So... Uh, Ole Miss 5-1, and one, Mississippi State's in a bad spot, and that's where we are right now. And we want to welcome in our friend Brad Edwards, 25 years at ESPN, college football's team, and also um, Alabama alum, but definitely um, calls it like he sees it. And Bama is, you know, hey, they're in a better spot today. That, that was a huge win now that you look at their schedule. So we'll see how this looks. Out of Bounds, 105.9 The Zone ESPN, brought to you by Ben Nelson Golf and Outdoors. That's where you want to go to get an easy-go golf cart for your neighborhood, manufacturing facility, the lake, uh, wherever you are, your land. Easy-go golf cars, Ben Nelson Golf and Outdoors. Brad Everts, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Bo. How you been, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a crazy year, and and that's why we wanted to bring you on. Um, you know, hey, give Bama credit. They they go on the road and and beat a much improved A and M team. Now that uh, Bobby Petrino is running that offense, uh, what was your takeaway from the game Saturday afternoon and Alabama winning? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a big win. I actually wasn't expecting Alabama to win. I, I went in thinking A&M was a little bit better of a team, and that combined with them being at home, I uh, thought spelled trouble for Alabama, who obviously has deficiencies. We've seen them in the early part of the season. We saw them again on Saturday. And the crazy thing is they won in spite of those. And if you're A&M, that has to hurt. And I, I know there are a lot of A&M fans out there that are just eternally pessimistic, and they probably figured they'd find a way to lose, and, and they did. But when a team comes into your place and they commit 14 penalties, have two turnovers, you sack their quarterback six times, and they have a combined four conversions on third and fourth downs, and you let them get out of there with a win, I mean, that that's bad. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the difference for Alabama was the play of the quarterback, especially in the second half. But for Jalen Milrow, even though he still showed some of his limitations throughout the game, I don't think anybody thought he was capable of throwing for 300 yards. And he made some beautiful throws. He did. And had, you know, two receivers who stepped up. And then that was one thing that had really been missing so far was who is the go-to receiver? Who, who in that receiving core – 
you know, can you throw to uh, when there's a, a big play is needed? And they had a couple guys stepped up. Um, you know, one guy almost 200 receiving yards, the other guy almost 100. And then um, the defense. You know, we, we saw it in the Ole Miss game. We've seen it a few times this year just in the second half where that defense is locked down. And uh, they, they did it again on Saturday and held A&M to three points in the second half. And uh, that was the difference. So you can see them starting to get better in a few areas. And if they keep getting better, then, you know, maybe maybe there's a chance this team could go 11-1 and one into the SEC championship game and, you know, be an upset over Georgia away from making it back to the playoffs. But on the other hand, I still see enough weaknesses in this team that I don't think it's far-fetched to think they could finish 5-3 and three in the conference because they have – look, they should beat Arkansas and Tuscaloosa this weekend to go to 4-0 and in the league. But of the final four conference games, uh, the, the two at home are Tennessee and LSU. Both of those teams are capable of beating Alabama if Bama doesn't play well. Um, I would also say that both road games against Kentucky and Auburn you know, we saw what Kentucky did at home against Florida. We saw what Auburn did at home against Georgia. If those teams play that way and Alabama doesn't play well, those are both losable games. So I, I don't think five and three is out of the question. It's probably not likely. But I, I think that's where we are with this team, is that they're somewhere from 11 to one to eight and four. And how much they continue to, to improve is going to be what determines, you know, where that record falls. Brad Edwards on the Out of Bounds show talking Bama um, football and where they are. So what? they're still good, like you said. And I think they've, they've taken some really good steps the last couple of weeks. Um, they're still physical as all get out. They don't have the top-tier talent that they've had at edge rusher, at wide receiver, and in the back end. Um, well, what do you chalk that up to, Brad? Why Why do you think they're they even? We held them to such a high standard. Why do you think they're down yeah. a little bit? So you know, when you look at the talent, let's just look at defense. And you mentioned, you know, edge rusher. They don't have a Will Anderson. Right? I mean, nobody in college football has a Will Anderson this year. But they've got two of the better pass rushers in the SEC, and I, I think that was a big part of Saturday, and and really in the second half against Ole Miss as well. You know, they were able to get good pressure on the quarterback. And I think the the big thing is that some of the interior defensive linemen started to beat blocks and get in the backfield. And that's something that we haven't seen much of out of Alabama since Quinn and Williams left. Um, and that was, you know, a few years ago. So what's happened? I mean, they're, they're still recruiting and signing the, the same caliber of guys. I mean, they're, they're getting guys who Georgia and Ohio State and LSU – are also after, um, so it's not like it's not like the caliber of recruit dropped off. I th- the only thing I can really attribute it to would be player development, and that's something that falls on the assistant coaches. Whether you're talking about the position coaches or the strength and conditioning coaches, and all all I could really point to is just that when you look at the amount of turnover on the coaching staff throughout the entirety of the Nick Saban era. It seems like it was just a matter of time having to replace that many guys every year that eventually he would make a few bad hires. And, and I don't know that I can point to one guy specifically and say this guy and this guy. Um, I, you know, I, I do wonder about the coordinators the, the previous couple of years and whether those were the best guys for the job. 
But um, it just doesn't seem like the players have been developed the same way that they have been. And, and, you know, you look at this year's team, normally there are four or five guys for Alabama that you can look at. So that guy, whether it's going to be the coming draft or two years from now, that's a first-round pick. There aren't a lot of guys on this year's team that you look at, and there is no doubt that guy's a future first-round pick. And I I think that's one of the differences. And, and, you know, did they miss on some guys, or is it just, you know, lack of development? It's hard to say, but I I think it's fair to say that the the players are not quite as good as we're used to Alabama seeing. Now, that said, (laughs) um, outside of Georgia, how many teams out there wouldn't still trade their roster for Alabama's? I, I think the vast majority of them still would. I, I agree with you. I, I do. Um, okay, so A&M. Um, Petrino has made them better, without a doubt. I didn't understand Jimbo punting on fourth and one. Um to me, he's always going to lean towards being too cons- He's more of yeah. a 1988 coach than today with the Lincoln Rallies, Kiffin, a lot of these guys. Do you agree with that, Brad? Yeah, I, I do. Um, and, I, and I would say that um, Saban is the same way. You know, that, that Saban still has that in his DNA. And, and, you know, when it comes to fourth down decisions, He's the one that's making them, no matter who's calling the plays. Um, the head coach is the one who's deciding whether you go for it on fourth down. And I, I think Saban probably would have done the same thing Jimbo did in that situation. You know, trust his defense. And, and look, and I, I would also say just in Jimbo's defense, even though, look, I, I would have gone for it on fourth down. But I think what his mindset is, is that, Having coached with Saban for as long as he did, I think he has an idea of what Saban is likely to do. And Saban's probably going to get conservative and is going to want to, you know, get a few first downs, run some clock, et cetera. And what he's not thinking is that he's going to come out throwing with a lead. But as it turned out, I I think Alabama reached a point where they just figured, hey, we can't run the ball against A&M. We're having success throwing, and they just kept throwing. Even on, the, even on that final drive where they just had to get a first down and run out the clock, it, past Alabama teams would have run three times and then punted. And I, I think the other day they were just like, hey, I mean, our best chance to end this game is by throwing a pass, and they did. They kind of got lucky on the play. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this is just a, it's a different Alabama team that for whatever reason can't run the ball when it needs to. And so it had to resort to the pass. And – they just went down the field again on, on A&M because they were able to throw the ball. But I, I think typically Jimbo read the situation right, which is that, hey, I'm going to punt it back to Saban. Saban's going to play conservative, run the ball, and we'll get the ball back. And it just it just didn't work out. No, it, it didn't. Um, what do you do if you're A&M, man? We've been talking about this with you for years. It, we we keep waiting for it to happen now with two. They can still have a really good year. I think they are a really yeah. good team, Brad. I think their defensive front is super talented and physical, and I think Petrino's doing some good things with their offense. And they have several more wins on their, you know, on their schedule. But it's not going to be Atlanta, and it's it's not going to be the college football playoff. And you just kind of wonder if not now, when right? 
Yeah, and I think as far as Jimbo goes, like this is a huge game this Saturday at Tennessee, and it's a game that not a lot of A&M fans are expecting to win after what happened this past Saturday. Uh, but Tennessee is obviously not what they were last year. You know, the offense has taken a step back with, at the very least, the change of quarterback has, has made a big difference. Um, could be some other positions as well. But this is a team that A&M is capable of scoring on. Um, it is a team that shouldn't go out and put up 40 points on them. And so it's a winnable game for A&M. And if they can win it, I, I, I'm not saying it, it undoes anything that happened, you know, last weekend, but I think most A&M fans probably would have taken one and one in those two games, you know, Alabama and at Tennessee. And uh, if they can get this win, like you said, they still have a chance to have a very good season. Um, you know, they've still got LSU coming up at the end of the year, like they always do. And uh, that would be another big win that they could get really excited about. So th- there's still some opportunities there. There's still a chance to, you know, maybe go nine and three, win a bowl game, have a 10, 10 win season. Um, but it, but it, I think it starts with this Saturday. Now, if they don't win this, this Saturday, then you start to look at things like, okay, you look at the struggles they've had against the Mississippi schools, uh, really since Johnny Manziel left. You look at, uh, you know, LSU obviously being another game that's very losable. And then uh, all of a sudden you start to see the, the possibility for this to be like seven and five again. And, and that's when the heat would start to go, if it isn't already. You know, and you just wonder, like, could this be the last season for Jimbo if it ends up being seven and five? And so uh, I think this Saturday is huge as far as um, not only just, you know, what this this season is going to look like for the program, but also where things are going to sit with the head coach and and how much the the boosters are going to start to organize and, you know, try to have that discussion about whether they need to make a change. Brad Edwards, 25 years at ESPN uh, with their college football team. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Hey, uh, if if Georgia wins it again, even if Bama has a good year, at uh, Saban will turn 72 on Halloween. Do you think he's considering... Going to the house, or heck no, he's in it for another four years. Uh, that that is a tough question uh, to answer, and I the the reason that I kind of hesitate on it is like on one hand, you you think you see signs of Alabama starting to slip, and you think about what happened to Florida State toward the end. You know what happened to I mean even Virginia Tech toward the end after Frank Beamer had done such a great job and they started to slide and you know Saban doesn't want to be one of those guys who stays too long you know things kind of pass him by and then all of a sudden the program becomes mediocre he doesn't want to be that guy but at the same time one of the big deficiencies in this year's team and and you know we just talked about he was really good throwing the ball on Saturday. Uh, is the quarterback. And, and regardless of what Jalen Milrow did against Texas A&M, and regardless of what he does the rest of the way, um, and what I'm about to say, there's obviously a high bar because the last four Alabama quarterbacks are all starting on Sundays right now. <laughs> but I will I will say, as obvious as it may be, he's the worst starting quarterback they've had since Jay Coker in 2015. I'm not going to say he's worse True. than Jalen Hurts as a freshman or anything like that, 
but you just look at the – he's not as good as the previous four guys. So um, the question is what's on deck, and they're – the, the freshman who is expected to sign in December, I should say high school senior who's expected to sign in December, is one of the top quarterback prospects in the country. And it's not like Alabama doesn't have a couple of the other of those guys on their depth chart already. But you just wonder, like, if, if Saban thinks this kid is special and, and, you know, could be something like another Bryce Young or another Tua, is he going to want to give it, at least three more years just to see, okay, can this quarterback help me get back there again? And I, I think that combined with Saban's health, and by the way, I, I have no reason to believe there are any problems with his health. Nothing has come up. But obviously when you start to get to that age, that does become a consideration. But um, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. Does he think he has a quarterback coming in who can be that difference maker to get him, you know, right back to where he was for so long? Because, as as improved as this defense is this year, I, I think we're past the part uh, past the point of being able to win a national championship on great defense alone. Georgia two years ago had that kind of defense, but when it came down to it in that fourth quarter of the national championship game against Alabama, they had a quarterback who made plays, and and that's how they ended up winning it. And so um, I, I think the quarterback is really important. I think ultimately that'll be. That'll be a big part of Saban's decision as to whether, you know, he goes out after this year or whether he gives it three or four more years and and thinks that he can win at least one more. Did you get a chance to watch Georgia at all? Yeah, you know what? It was one of those where I watched the first few drives and I was like, I've seen all I need to see. Like, this is, <laughs> this is peak Georgia, right? Like, and, and, look, there were a couple times last year that Georgia slopped around. Remember, they had that game at Missouri. They had to come from behind in the second half. And, and, and yet, you knew if Georgia showed up, like on the weeks when they showed up and played up to their talent, there weren't many teams that could beat them. And that's what they showed the other night. Like, they still, as much as they've slopped around the season, it's still in them um, to be able to play to that level. And when they play that way – Alabama can't beat them. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State—you know, pick your school: Oregon, Washington, whatever. Oklahoma, Texas. Nobody else is going to beat them when they play the way they did. The question is, can they do that consistently? Have they turned a corner, or are they one of those teams that is going to be vulnerable week to week, depending on you know which offense shows up? And so, I, I think that's the big question for Georgia. But absolutely. They still have the most talent, and um, when they show up to play, and look, and I, and I think as, as much as I would, um, you know, just give pats on the back all around to all sorts of quarterbacks around college football for how they're playing this year, um, I, I still don't know that there's any player I'd rather have on my team than Brock Bowers. Yeah, you know, and he's so good. And, and and I mean, I don't know that I have ever said that about a tight end before. Um, <laughs> But this guy, like, if some of these quarterbacks have subpar second halves of the season, I could I could vote for that guy for the Heisman. I don't have a vote anymore, but um, he's that good. He is that good that he he deserves consideration for Heisman finalist as a tight end. And when it comes down to it, and they get in a close game, you saw the second half again, especially the fourth quarter against Auburn. I mean, they they have that card that no one else has to play. 
And that that ultimately, to me, is what makes Georgia so tough to beat is, is because of him. And if you give him too much attention, what it opens up for everybody else on offense. You just nailed it. Great, great point. If you give him too much attention, they have other players. And he just overshadows yeah. all of them, but they got some other dudes. Um, man, he is special. Wow, wow, wow. All right, bud. Um, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. And I uh, hope you're doing well. Let's catch up soon, okay? Yeah, sounds great, man. It's, it's a it's a crazy season, and uh, depending on what Georgia does, this could be one of those where we might, you know, we might be talking in the beginning of December about there being six, seven teams capable of 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 winning the whole thing. Or I guess by the time we get to them, it might be down to three or four. But still, we we haven't said that very often in recent years. No, it feels like it could be a fun season. But it also is a season where we could see ourselves sitting there at the end and it's the same old team. So, who knows? It'll be fine to get there. Yeah, and I don't know if you got to watch this, but that, that was a devastating loss for Texas, Brad, because Sark has been there a while and you, you kind of felt like they had the momentum and the, and the really, really good win over Bama and Bryant-Denny and Venables and that whole crew struggled so bad last year. Um, I mean, we talked about Mario Cristobal, you know, pooping his pants, all this kind of yeah, different yeah, stuff, yeah. <laughs> but, but Texas, man, that had to rip their heart out. But now look, they may, they may play again in the big 12 championship. And as somebody That's who was ESPN's lead guy for, for the BCS for years, you know, that they could be right back in it. But man, that was, that was That's a tough one. Yeah. But I mean, you mentioned the, the, the key to beating Alabama is that they were able to preserve that mulligan, okay? And now they took the loss, but the rest of the Big 12 is so bad this year. Texas, as inconsistent as they've been ever since Colt McCoy left, they should be able to manage the rest of that schedule, not lose again. And if they do, they're in the Big 12 championship game needing to win one game more than likely to get to the playoff. And so beating Alabama is what allowed them to be able to, to afford to lose to Oklahoma when in past seasons, a loss like that would have crushed their season, but um, they're still alive. Um, you know, no margin for error, but they're still alive. We'll leave it there. Brad Edwards on the out of bounds yeah. show. Thanks Brad. Okay. You got it, man. Take care. Brad joined us on the farm bureau insurance guest line. We are the out of bounds show and we're driven by an easy go golf car at Ben Nelson golf and outdoors. In Madison, in the Memphis area, in the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Ben Nelson Golf and Outdoors. And your easy go golf car. Jason, I think that was a good show. We made some people mad. Of course, yeah. A lot of people made, had a lot of fun, though, on the, uh, on the text line. We want to be a fun show. We do have to bring it. Um, Mississippi State fans are in a really tough spot. This is not... The overwhelming majority of this is not Arnett's fault. Um, you know, is he to blame for some of it? Yeah, but not, I mean, if you were like breaking it down, it would be 80% is not his fault. You're just, you know, you are what, where you are with this losing a coach when you did and so on. I don't know how it's going to play out. It could get dicey and bumpy and crazy there. Ole Miss is riding high. Five and one. Week off. Both of them have a week off. Both of them need a week off, I think. Especially MSU with all those, with that list of of injuries. Uh, well, and I don't know what's with Will Rogers. 
people are claiming he's out. Some people are claiming he'll be ready to go at Arkansas. Um, man, it's tough to take a hit on a shoulder like that. Oof. I mean, like in two weeks. But I've never had an AC spray. Hope you have a great Monday. Um, how about this? Enjoy lunch at Fleetway Market in the Market Cafe in Gluckstadt. There's smoked meats, blue plates. Fleetway Market, the Market Cafe in Gluckstadt. If you missed anything, hit Apple Podcast or Spotify. Search Out of Bounds with Bow Bounds. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow.